for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hello. And today we're here to discuss the ninth episode of the second season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called Number Two. So this one was the episode centered on Kate. And as you guys will remember, this was a little trilogy that they popped into the season two world where we have one episode called number one about Kevin, number two about Kate, and number three is going to be next week about Randall. And it's all starting on the same day. So we're going to start right with Kate's same evening. If you guys remember from the previous week with Kevin, this was going to be the evening where we had the coach come over and we had the football game and all that happening. But this is all from Kate's point of view. First of all, what did you think about the way that they are doing this, where they're doing the same series of events, but from different points of view? It's a good use of the medium. You know, you don't get to do that in movies, really. It's a, it's a great way to take advantage of TV's more stretched out, episodic format. And it's very fitting with the way that This Is Us has turned typical, you know, just straight, you know, you start at one point, you end an hour later kind of narrative. They they want to keep you entertained by showing you new ways of, of showing you uh, a story. So this time they're showing you the same day from multiple perspectives and they're like, not even close. They're, they're very, very different, even though they're three siblings. And also, I think that it's a great take on family and the idea that, you know, we can all be at a same family event, whether it be Thanksgiving, that was just this week or Christmas or just a normal day in your household. But the point of view from the kids to the parents, to a grandparent, to an aunt, uncle, everybody sees this series of events very differently and they're all absorbing it differently. And I think this was a cool way of saying this was an, a big day and a big thing was happening with Kevin, but what was going on with everyone else and realized there was important days happening that the other siblings didn't even realize were happening for one another. Flashback for Kate. Am I getting this right? It basically revolves around her wanting to apply to the Berkeley School of Music, which is as prestigious as it gets. I mean, she's aiming for the Harvard of performing arts schools. I mean, it's not Juilliard, but it's it's the same kind of kind mm-hmm. of deal. And she doesn't have a safety school or nothing, right? And apparently uh, not. Were you surprised that Rebecca didn't seem to even know she had an interest really in singing? I mean, maybe I'm putting today's standards on how you would have to get into college, but she would have to be highly involved with like not only well, yeah, and voice lessons and and a whole lot of things going on. Yes, you're right. I guess this goes back to earlier this season when Kate was supposed to be in that talent show or whatever and kind of just froze up and decided not to do it because her mom made her feel bad because she was singing the same song but better in the shower. Maybe we're supposed to extrapolate from from that, that she's basically hidden her interest in singing since then. Do you think that's true? I think it is true. It just it makes me sad from the standpoint of because that girl looked about eight or ten somewhere in there. Yeah, right? definitely younger. It made me sad because I just feel like it's the same thing that that director who had said, you know, no, we're not going to accept you into the band, and she was like, that's just because I'm fat, and he's like, no, it's because you don't have the training and everything. I felt like that is something that is going to happen to her again with Berkeley. Without me even seeing the story, I I can already feel like if she's not honing her craft, singing every day, you you know, having a coach and a mentors and, and opportunities to sing in front of people regularly, even as a teenager, you don't really have much of a shot of getting in to a music school. If she doesn't have a backup school, 
and we know that she doesn't have the chops to be a professional, like honest to God, professional singer later in life, then we can assume she doesn't get into Berkeley. Oh yeah. I have to assume so. And, and I think that all of this is going to get derailed. Like who knows if that application even gets sent because I think everything's going to happen in the next couple of weeks with Jack and then everything's just going to fly downhill. Do you think either of the natural born Pearson kids go to college? I don't think so. I don't think so, because I have a feeling that Kevin is going to head off to Hollywood and try to go that route. And Kate, it appears from previous stories, you know, just it sounded like at first, you know, hangs around and just works like kind of part time job kind of things and stares at the empty lot feeling bad about Jack. So Mm -hmm. obviously we've got a lot of story left to tell, but that's what I would guess happens. I I think that it, it makes sense to me that their dreams would have gotten derailed, certainly in terms of like college application deadlines and things like that. I'm so sad for all of them that Rebecca would have, of course, been in a place that is unlikely that she would have been able to keep up with those deadlines and stuff and deal with the grief. I mean, they said you only have a month. Rebecca says to her, you need to get this paperwork done. We've only got a month and a month's going to go by like that. And that makes me think that's going to be right about within this month window is going to be when Jack passes away. That makes sense. So then they're going to miss all the deadlines. Remember, she's wearing that Steelers jersey, which most women wear them to go see football games. Oh, you keep bringing this up. Can I remember she always wears it on Sunday for Steeler games to to watch at Froggies. And the point is that that's during football season. Definitely. Which ends in January-ish. Definitely. But we also already know that Jack dies when he is getting his cast off. Because that's what Kevin said last time. He remember when he was doing that play by play and he goes, I was just getting my cast off. I was starting to walk. You know, he's starting to walk again. Oh, but his dad dies. And I I started to walk just in time to bury my father. That whole part. And to me, I think that that also doesn't necessarily even mean that he was getting his cast off. I think he could have also been just like up on crutches and out of the wheelchair. Because we've seen in flashbacks that uh, when Kate runs to go tell him with Sophie, he's got the cast on. We think. We okay. think, we think. So, yeah. Well, there are different stages in fixing those kinds of oh, things. Oh, yeah. So. I broke both my arms and you didn't know me then, but I, I was in fifth grade and I had casts all the way up to my shoulders for six weeks. And then I had smaller casts just to my elbows for six weeks. So for sure, yes. And I, by the time I had my six weeks ones with my up to my elbows, I was a monkey. I was doing cartwheels like an idiot. So for sure, much to my parents' chagrin, you can imagine. Um, I was that antiquey child. I broke both of my arms jumping off of a swing set trying to do a backflip. So again, <laughs> antiquey monkey. Got about three quarters of the way through, huh? Yeah. Came straight down <laughs> my friggin' face and thought my arms could save the day. And guess what? Those suckers just broke right in half. <laughs> Not work at all. You know what the bitch of it is, Paul? What's that? I did successfully do it several times before that. It's not that I hadn't ever completed the flip. It was just, I I just, you know, it was one of those, I just, I tempted fate. I did it one last time and just, uh -uh, not that time. You couldn't leave your your audience just hanging with Mm -mm. a partial performance. No way. You do. (laughs) No. Show must I felt invincible. Guess what? I was totally invincible. Okay, so again, we go through the whole series of biz where she's mopping up that dog, which again, I'm going to say to you guys, I don't get it. We've had many dogs. I've never mopped up a dog's privates 
area after they <laughs> right. pee. That's not a thing, you guys. They tend to that themselves if there's any issue. I really, seeing that dog lay on its back on the couch while she mops it up was really kind of disturbing. And again, made me wonder, like, you know, uh, she doesn't know much about, like, taking care of someone else, whether it be, like, babysitting or or dog care or whatever. Like, this this is not normal. This is not what we do. Uh-uh. And maybe as parents, I mean, I know that they're good parents, but maybe they're just not dog-owning parents. Because, I mean, we would, if we saw our kids doing that, we'd be like, what are you doing? Like, get that, get away from that dog. <laughs> right? Basically, yeah. This is not alligator wrestling. If you don't know what they do in alligator wrestling, Google that shit. <laughs> Figure it out. So, all right. We get to the football game and, you know, there's this whole reveal that Rebecca has looked through Kate's stuff and has listened to the tape and figured out that Kate does have this whole plan to go to Berkeley. What did you think about the whole thing about Kate getting so pissed that Rebecca looked through her stuff? Rebecca thinking she could just offer up the application check without there being any counter of, wait a minute, how did you know I wanted to go and needed an application check? As an adult, Rebecca would have to have had that other side of the, the equation. Like if I tell her she can have the money, then she'll know I know she wants to go. But didn't she seem surprised? Like, oh, like, you know, I went through your things. More like, why are you upset? And why why have you been keeping this from me? You know, I mean, I understand that teenagers like to like, they like to say hurtful things to their parents. Yes. You know, so. Yes. I was, I was one of those teens who said some hurtful stuff. Did you have any good singers back in the day? Or oh, you... nothing I want to review. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about it, please. All of it was terrible. I was mean and bad. Snake-like, really. <laughs> Sometimes I even like, sometimes have some of those that still come out these days. You? No. But the harshest thing that Kate told her was the part where Rebecca's like, I could have helped you with the singing. And she was like, yeah, I know. Implying a lot of stuff like, I didn't want your help. You know, I struggle with this. Uh, this feels a little bit like, do you remember the interactions between like with Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds? The idea that Debbie was so over the top and so in your face and Carrie was wonderful in her own right and didn't really have an opportunity to always feel that way because her, her mom was such a star, you know? Yeah. I mean, their relationship was so lovely. We we feel like we've seen so many of the little backstories and documentary type things about them. So I know it. There's it's multi, multifaceted. But on the surface, I could look at Kate and Rebecca and see some of that sort of like it's a love hate. Like I admire you and stuff. But at the same time, I hate it that you're so good because it's so hard for me to try to keep up with it. And I don't want to be compared and I don't want to be overshadowed all the time. Which is a gutty thing to do for a kid. But on the other hand, if you hide it too far, then you set yourself up for failure, basically, because you're not getting the help Even if you don't want to get it from your mom, but you're hiding it so far down that you're not getting help anywhere and you're just kind of like an autodidact singing phenom, that doesn't happen, you know? Agreed. You need other people's ears to say, that's ah, not quite right. That's well, yeah. not how that and, goes. And I feel like we've even seen from like The Voice and other things, we've seen it actually on TV in front of our faces these days where you actually get to see the behind the scenes where they get mentored and everything. And, and even ones that are great, naturally great, have so much to learn from somebody who's been there before. You know? Well, what's interesting about The Voice is like they bring in people that you'd never suspect to have, I don't know, it's not that they're bad singers. It's more like this person is is an R&B kind of singer and then 
they bring in Barry Manilow as like a guest, you know, mentor, mentor, or or something like that. Just like a totally different perspective. Which, by the way, you have to open yourself up to yes. in order to have access to. Which what we've been shown from Kate, she's been keeping this very on the DL. Very much. So then we have the whole Kevin injury happen. And then we go and we we continue this conversation at the hospital. And Rebecca is really trying to say, you know, I would never have been disappointed if, if you didn't get in, but I would have been disappointed for you. And Kate says, well, sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference. What do you make of that? Well, I can understand that from like an emotional point of view. I mean, when, when you're dealing with someone that's all up in your biz and, you know, there's a disappointment that comes along, the look and the feeling that you get from the person is the exact same as you would get for either one of those scenarios. Them being disappointed that you didn't come through with whatever you're trying to do or them being disappointed for you. It's like it, it's really hard to decipher for a lot of us, the nuance in what's being expressed to us. It goes down as like, this just isn't about singing. I think it must be about like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was about a thousand small moments, you know, where where Rebecca would have been maybe homecoming queen and, you know, Kate not, even though there's no good reason that Kate wouldn't have had friends and other activities and stuff that she was involved with that, I mean, just because she was a little chubby and by high school, she was really, I mean, a little the bit, high school but not version much. of Kate has got a round face, but you don't get the idea that she's like an overweight person. And you don't get the idea that she like had no friends or was somehow like ostracized or whatever. Like she has very normal banter with, with her brothers. Now we haven't seen her with friends, but I don't know. It's interesting because somehow Kate has this sort of aura of being this sort of loner person. Partially she blames on her, her weight, but then just sort of generally like this, you know, sadness cloud, Ziggy kind of feel to her. But at the same time, there's not really any like she has the personality and she has the drive to want to do things. It just it's like there's this like disconnect there. The part that helps this episode come full circle with relation to the flashbacks is tied up in Rebecca being kind of the unsung parent of the Pearsons. This whole show is about Jack being praised over and over, no matter what he does. And Rebecca being kind of like, well, you know, she's there too. But in this episode, she says to her, no matter what, I will be there with my arms open to give you a hug whenever you need it. Kate didn't really need it right when she was a teenager. But she is going to need it later. Or she at least wasn't willing to accept it at that moment. But you're right. I think that you read this episode perfectly in, in that summary. It was all about Rebecca being this. I kind of think of it like, um, you know, when you see those like really awesome, like papier mache pieces and the inside is like structured with like chicken wire, but you never see it. But that's like what really holds it all together. Uh -huh. It's a lot like that. Like Jack is sort of like the flamboyant outside of like the excitement and the energy and the thing that catches your eye first. But if you really look at it, she's like the chicken wire underneath. She's like the thing that holds the shape that keeps the, the whole thing together. And that is always there for the stability of it all. It's maybe not the prettiest part of it in terms of like she kind of sees through you in a lot of ways and 
Rebecca calls her out on things that Jack just sort of glosses over, like, oh, you're perfect, you're wonderful. And Rebecca will be more like, why'd you do it this way? Why'd you do it that way? And pokes at her more, you know, pushes her a little bit more. So, well, let's get into the present day and what is going on with Miss Kate. We know from the end of the episode for number one that she's losing the baby. She has lost the baby. How do you feel about the idea that they told us basically the punchline before they tell us the story. I feel a little uh, TV manipulated, uh, actually, because then you have like a week to kind of feel bad about this thing happening to a character that you have, you know, some connection to or care about or whatever. And now you go into it with this anticipation of, well, what's that going to be like? You know, so a little, you know, like someone's pulling my strings a little bit. I'll tell you one part that was hard for me was the idea that we were told that Kate lost the baby. And when we came in on the episode, Kate didn't know yet. So it was one of the times in this entire show where the audience knew something that the characters didn't know because we've been playing it the opposite this whole time where all the characters know what happened to Jack and we're on the other side waiting for these little flashbacks, waiting for these little reveals. And this time we already know and we're waiting it for it to be revealed to Kate and Toby. And it was so hard with her singing the, her little Flintstone song and Toby making that shake. And it's so obvious how much that they have decided to embrace this pregnancy. Did you think it was realistic that Kate would have gone from not at all wanting any type of excitement about the baby to sitting here ordering the Swedish baby bath and listing off the questions for the doctor and all that? Was that reasonable? Do you think that Toby's flash dance moment really like broke through for her? Even in a high-risk pregnancy, the further along you get, the more confident you get. And we figured, or maybe they told us, that this is probably about week 12. Basically, your first trimester is like done, right? Yes. You should start a, being a able A lot to of feel. women feel like they're out of, the, out of the danger zone at that point. I mean, anything can happen at any time, obviously. Yes, it does. It does. But that first trimester is the most dangerous. Uh, for those things to happen. So yeah, that building confidence, whether or not it was it was Toby's influence, which probably he did rub off on her because she blames him. But really, I think it would just be natural to to start to shed some of that apprehension that you would have right up front. I agree. The part when she goes to measure the bathtub to see if the baby bath is going to fit in there and she starts screaming... What did you think exactly was going to have been going on right then? What they set us up to believe and then kind of reneged on. I believe that there was there was a slip and a grab onto the shower curtain that pulled it down, given her shape and other stuff. She would have fallen right on the edge of the clawfoot tub, you know, with, with her stomach and that would have been it. Okay. I sort of looked at it probably a little differently. Um, I looked at it like she probably had like a pain, like an intense pain, like a, almost like a contraction kind of pain. Well, that, yeah. That's and what she kind of grabbed yeah. the, on the, on the flashback. That's what they, that's what they showed us. Yeah. But, but, but you thought f- that she had slipped in and fallen up front. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. That makes total sense. Total sense to me. Now, what did you think about that subsequent emergency scene? I thought it was very well acted and very well put together. In that I have been in a room like that, not for that same exact news for that, but for that same kind of news. And so that dazed look that they had on their faces of just, you know, hearing 
this information being laid out for them by this doctor who has other shit to do that day in just a very matter of fact kind of they're actually telling you like very important shit every single bullet point that they're giving you is something important but at the end of the day you're going to remember like one of them basically because they're just giving it to you in rapid fire nothing's written down and you just sit there with a look on your face that is just devoid of of emotion it's just like you're just at a blank slate face you know and that's kind of where they both were i agree with you that i thought that they did a great job from kate's point of view and toby points point of view in that they did seem very stoic and and just blindsided by the whole thing like just just brokenhearted but not ready to show any emotion or anything yet i had a little bit of a hard time with it because i felt like it was a missed opportunity in that they really didn't tell everything about a miscarriage that a patient i believe would have been told and i felt like they as a show have done such a great job of delving into things like addiction and showing the the gritty side of it, the sweating and the desperation and the actual physical effects of the disease. But then with miscarriage, I felt like there was a really great job done with the emotional side of it and a real disservice done to the all the viewership in terms of those of people who have never experienced it or don't know anyone or just because it's such a closed topic kind of situation where people don't know like what is the nitty gritty behind it and the doctor could have said some things there that we didn't have to see or anything to understand but she could have said like one misnomer i think is the idea that a miscarriage is like a one time one event moment in time like you come out of the bathroom you say i miscarried or you're at the doctor and they say you had a miscarriage and like it happened and it's over. And that's not true. And doing a little internet research, the average miscarriage in a first trimester would last two weeks. You'd be bleeding and losing tissue for two weeks. That's not like a one moment in time. Oops, you know, like you burped or you sneezed or something and it's done. You're dealing with it over and over and over again for two full weeks on average. Some people more, some people a little less. So I felt like that that in itself was completely ignored and didn't have to be like it could have been something that she asked Toby to go get her pads or she could have woke up and there was blood in the bed or she could have you know there could have been other moments where there was like the having to actually deal with the ramifications of a miscarriage beyond the emotional there is that and they did a a very good job of dealing with that but the physical part I thought they just they were too glossy too glossy. It was only after you pointed it out to me when we were prepping for this show that I really sat and thought, you know, even if she wanted to move on emotionally and just go back to work the next day, like she does in the episode, physically, I don't know the the mechanics of it all, but what you've described makes it sound like it's a bad idea to be away from your home base right away like that. You really want to try to not be. And and here's the thing, the fact that you said you don't really know, That makes me bummed out that the show didn't tell you because here they had a character who was going through this. They should have been more transparent and they should have given you that more the realism like they do about loss and addiction and other adoptions about fostering that they have shown you the gritty, gross, awful side of things. Why did they have to be so shallow on this? You know, why didn't they say, I want to go to the singing gig? but I can't because I'm afraid I'm going to bleed down my leg. 
you know, which is, I know, gross. I get it completely, but real. Maybe they just needed this story to fit into one episode. In a lot of ways, I feel like they did. And that's another thing that I feel a little like, huh. Um, but let's get into a little bit more. Um, so you mentioned that Kate's way of dealing was to try to just kind of put her head down and get back to her life. Mm -hmm. You know, go go on the singing gig, which I did appreciate what she was saying. If she didn't go, she wasn't going to be asked to be the sub anymore, which I appreciate that that was like a logical reason. What did you think about Toby's desire to take action? I believe that Toby is being given nothing to do with his emotions. Kate, at this stage in the narrative, has taken away herself as a place to discuss how he's feeling. And in fact, in a lot of ways, he's being told that his feelings aren't really as valid as as hers. And that makes him feel like he has no control over anything anymore, which is a place most humans despise being. The only thing, like he explains to, what was his name, Carl, at the um, mail depot was that I can help this not get any worse. How did you like how he like described himself? He's like, I am a big, powerful man, Carl. And like that whole part, I felt like to me, it like emphasized the like, and I am helpless right now. I am this big, strong, powerful man, and I can do nothing it to fix anything. It, it made me like Toby about a hundred times more than I have so far. Tell me why. I'm curious. I have also been in a, in a position where it's like something is happening and I can't do anything about it. And I recognize the truth of that raw, helpless emotion that is just waiting to be set off by the slightest thing. <laughs> and Carl was about to, <laughs> about to get there. <laughs> so for you guys who haven't listened to our show, um, I went into labor with our twins at only 23 weeks. And so I was actually went into labor at 21 weeks and they were born at 23 weeks. So when Paul says like he knows what it means to, you know, have his wife, you know, in a bed, helpless and him wanting to do something to, to stop everything, you know, we've certainly been there and we understand what this feels like. I thought this was a really creative and understandable metaphor for this helplessness, him, him like searching through the boxes, you know, looking for the delivery package so that he could stop something from hurting her again, mm -hmm. you know, was, was so like visceral. Like I felt like we were like searching through the packages with him. You know, I was like, Oh my God, maybe it's in the next one. You know, like you wanted him to find it so bad. And that Carl eventually came through his, you know, it's funny. The show has relied a lot on single day actors, you know, the Carl's or the, uh, the man at the hardware store. The man for at the Randall. hardware store. Yeah. It seemed um, like that same guy, didn't it? Same spirit. Uh, Even the housekeeper last week for Kevin, the same spirit of like, get on out of here, Kevin, you know? I wonder if that's the storyteller's way of injecting, not exactly Jack, but a Jackish type push when they need it back into their lives, even though Jack's not there anymore. It's interesting that you say that way, because in my brain, I was thinking like almost like a, a guardian angel kind of feel where somebody steps into your life right when you need it. And that would feel right that that might be like Jack or or that spirit speaking through those people. I don't think we'll ever get to like, you know, 
it's an angel. I don't want it to be like that. Yeah, I don't want it to be touched by an angel. I don't be touched by anybody, but but you know, I definitely feel I felt what you're saying. And and I think at the same time, like anyone who's ever been in a situation where you're floundering, you can suddenly seem like there's a beam of light on one person because their words or whatever they're doing just the right thing you needed to hear at that moment. And so you kind of zero in on them. And with the show, they kind of zero in on them with the camera, you know, so that you're like in with Carl or in with the guy at the hardware store or the housekeeper, you know? Yeah. Well, this whole thing boiled down to me lagging Toby a whole lot more. I did too. And I really, I felt for his complete thoughtfulness in the most global sense of the word. Like he didn't just think, well, I brought you a warm blanket and a cup of tea. I don't know. Like, what would you have done? Would would you have tried to go down to the place and tried to stop the package from being delivered? Or would you have tried to just intercept it at the door before I saw it? Or what would you do? That's about as creative as I would have gotten, which is just once it gets to the house, it never arrived. <laughs> I feel like that's what the I, honestly, I think that's what 95% of the population would do. They would think I am going to sit at the window and watch for that package. And the second that it comes, I'm going to run out to the curb and tell them, no, 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 no. Because what are you going to do? Be like, well, baby bath is here. Isn't that sad? Like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to want to keep yeah. that away from the other person. And that's why I think that this stands out to me as like Toby is like such the step beyond. Now, I have to ask you a different question, though. Was it necessary? Was it necessary that he stop it from being delivered to the doorstep? Could he have just waited and and when it got here, just intercepted it and asked the postman, please, please. It, he could he could have refused delivery or he could have gone and thrown it out in the trash can or he could have asked the postman to take it away, whatever. Was it necessary? And I asked this for a specific reason, because sometimes Toby's thoughtfulness can go above and beyond in a way that doesn't always feel good sometimes it feels over the top as our former president bill clinton once said it depends on what the definition of is is but i don't really mean is i mean necessary depending on the timing kate either really did need that extra bit or really you know at at, at a certain point kate decided to go get the the shower liner and put it back up right so that kate she could have withstood the bath being delivered, you know, because she said, we're not going to let this beat us. And so we're not going to just put away all the things that remind us of, of what we went through. We're going to plow ahead. That Kate could have taken it. But between that period, that Kate might have really taken it badly. Who it was necessary for was Toby, probably. What I said before about for his own self, right then, he had nowhere to turn emotionally. And so with that dangling, I am in control of nothing feeling, this was the one thing he could grab a hold of and say, not that. And that's what he did. So I don't, so I don't want to, I don't want to pick it apart because I know you just said like, it's the definition of is and is. What I'm saying is I agree with you that that bath needed to not get to Kate. And I agree with you that Toby needed something to do. But was it over the top in terms of like unbelievably unnecessary to go to and actually search through the, let's say, Amazon warehouse to find it when he could have sat in a chair outside their door and waited for it? You know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, did he have to do that. And the only reason why I'm I'm asking is not because I don't think that it was amazing. And I think for the character, it is absolutely in keeping with Toby. But it's also, I think, one of 
the little nuggets of his personality that when turned on a different situation, people don't like about him. When he does these things that are so grandiose and it seems like, wow, he's really just doing everything. And that seems great, but it's also overwhelming and too much and kind of unnecessary is the only word I can think of. Like, it's like you, you almost like made a project where there wasn't one. I go back to, he felt like he needed to do it. So he felt like he just needed to do something though. Probably. Like he was like, almost like, I can't sit here at the house. I need to just get out of here and go do something. Well, yeah. What was he going to do? Sit and watch the sitcoms by himself all day? The idea was to try to finish well, the experience with with Kate. I'm it, saying he could have waited at the house for the delivery and disposed of it. But yeah, but he, instead he drove to the warehouse and like, you know, had to go through an entire warehouse for boxes for hours. I'm just saying like it's probably like that same sort TV of feeling version. where where you know, sometimes we take when we drive, we take shortcuts that are actually miles longer, but at least you get to keep moving. You know what I mean? Yes, I yes. mean, you could just sit there and go the traditional way, but the traffic's so bad that you just stop most of the time. Or you could take this circuitous route that lets you keep moving. Toby's probably always taking the, the side roads to get where he needs to go because he's got to keep moving. But in Toby's case, I think he would have rented like a parade float on hydraulics with like a um, foghorn in order to get through the traffic because he's like that bombastic about his approach to life, which is wonderful in many ways. And in other times, I think it's again, like what I said, the people who dislike Toby and I'm not one of those people. I, the things, the complaints that I hear are like, he's so over the top bombastic about stuff that it's like simmer the frick down sometimes. You know, sometimes he squashes people along the way when he's when he's doing these big moves, you know? True enough. All right. So then Kate goes off to her singing gig and sees the mom and the daughter dancing. And of course, it's a huge blow. And she decides, you know what? I'm not ready to be here today. And she heads over to that buffet I thought the camera work was amazing in that scene where you could see her reflection like in the sneeze guard. So you could see her face, even though we were like looking at her hands, uh-huh. but you could see her expression. Sure. I thought that was like a really beautiful shot. What did you think? Was she going to sit and eat for five hours or did you expect her to push the plate away? I did not expect her to push the plate away. That I... food looked gross though, right? She like had like a lot of gross stuff. Well, you know, those... Uh, Asian buffets are not really once you pile it up like that, it doesn't look quite as glamorous <laughs> as the as the pictures. But I mean, I also understand that feeling of, you know, today just sucked and tomorrow may or may not be better. But I just, you know, whatever, I'm going to eat this pile of food and, it's, and I'll feel better at the end of the day. And I was really happy for her that she knew that she needed to feel better, but that wasn't going to make her feel any better. And I mean, we can all really, really understand this. We experienced a loss this past week of our dog and it was very unexpected. It was a complete shock. And one of the first things that Paul and I felt like we should do after after taking her to the vet was... um we should go eat something that would make us feel better. And there was definitely that feeling of uh, somehow we could feed the pain away, you know? Sure. I think that's so universal. And I was proud of her to feel like I don't have to do this because I have Toby at home. And honestly, you know, she she does have other support systems now that maybe she didn't feel like she had in the past. The morning after, Toby and Kate have their awkward evening back together. 
and Kate wakes up and there's a note on the pillow saying, I went out to get some air. Before we zoomed in on those words, man. What did you think was was happening there? Well, that argument was so ugly about, you know, basically him feeling like she was just pushing him out. You know, once again, it was sort of like, this is all about me. You're not involved in this. You know, that's one thing that I do not relate to Kate at all. And maybe it's because we're married. Maybe it's because we've been together a long time. I don't know. But whenever I was going through everything, being on, on you know, in a really emergency bed rest craziness situation. Like when I say bed rest, you guys, I mean, like they had the bed flipped practically upside down and it was gravity that was holding the girls inside me. I mean, it, it was really like a messed up. So when I say bed rest, I don't just mean like I was leisurely watching TV in the bed. I mean, I, it was like a very... It's very medicinal. I mean, you had an IV to slow down your body systems to keep everything... Which really messed with me. Like, I couldn't think right. I kept telling Paul that there was a caterpillar on his face. Like, I... Which he has a goatee. <laughs> and, you know, I was I was in such a such a bad place. But, but at no point in time did I ever feel like this was only happening to me. Like, my, my parents were there. My sister flew in town. My brother was there. Paul was there. At no point in time, I mean, everybody was so in it with me. I mean, it was 100% my body upside down. It was 100% me dealing with this. But at the same time, like I never said those things to you, right, Paul? Like, I mean, there at no point in time did I look at you and say, none of this is happening to you or your body. It wasn't like that. I mean, they were your girls too. Like there was no part of it that they weren't yours. That's right. The only thing you ever said was you were sorry that your body did this. And that was very hard to hear because from what they explained, just like Kate here, when they say it just happened, well, it just happened. It's nothing you can predict. And so I never held it against you. So we never had that disconnect. We went to the the whole pregnancy kind of in lockstep. I went to probably way more OB <laughs> appointments and scans than most husbands do. Maybe. I just don't even know. I mean, yeah, it was just the way we do things. And so I guess I felt like, you know, the way that Kate handles things, maybe part of it is that I was 25, you know, at that point, I wasn't 38 like she is. And I wonder if if I had made it to 38 without having you there or whatever, maybe I would be in such a, a place of independence and like, you know, I do things by myself. So this is happening to me. Maybe that's part of the thing. I, I was so much younger. I mean, we had been together since I was 17. So then it's like, there was no part that this was only happening to me. It was always happening to us. So th those parts, I mean, definitely for our listeners and, and you know, please hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at, at Daily Review and, and talk to us a little bit about does it feel differently if, if this is maybe a second marriage or if you got pregnant later in life? Did, is there any part of it that felt much more like this was only happening individually to you and less like it was happening to you and your partner um, and, you know, was there anything to this portion or was Kate just being sort of Kate? They showed it in the flashbacks. You know, it's not all of us getting into college. It's not my parents helping me get into something. It's always me. I'm always alone. It's like uh, it's like when your sister makes fun of you as a teenager and and she's totally wrong because Caroline was not this teenager. But in her sister's mind, <laughs> she is Delia from Beetlejuice, just 
I am so alone. I'm utterly alone. That's the line she always says to me. But this is so weird because my sister is eight years older than me. And why this is so weird is because I was a cheerleader and I was I was in the a, a popular- click well known for loners. Yeah, I mean, I, and I was I was a, a highly competitive athlete, and I mean, I always had friends and stuff like this was not me. But she came home one weekend from college. She was wearing a black sweatshirt, and ever since then, Caroline was utterly alone. Yeah, like, right, right. And it wouldn't even be in college, I swear. She would have come home from, you know, being out in the working world. And yeah, and I, yeah, was wearing a black sweatshirt that weekend or something, you know, and like suddenly that's my whole persona. It is funny and weird, but I don't know. I, I guess, you know, for Kate, the reason why they show these flashbacks is to give us a bigger whole picture of the big three's personalities. And I'm really trying to understand Kate's point of view and how she handles life because. She pushes Toby away the same as she pushed Rebecca away back when she was 17 years old. And it makes me wonder if that's just like who she is and the way that she handles life in general, or if there's something else to these individual things. Like we're trying to say all this stuff like, well, Rebecca was this wonderful singer and she was too overshadowing. And that's why Kate felt that way. Or in the case of the pregnancy, oh, well, she was an older uh, mom, an older pregnancy. And so maybe she had had this independent lifestyle. But maybe in showing us the flashbacks, it's really this is who Kate was the whole time. Kate didn't handle anything differently, no matter who was trying to support her. She always behaved as if I am going through this all by myself and nobody else knows what I what I'm doing or how I'm feeling or anything. I think that that's a difficult character for me to relate to. Do you, Paul, feel anything in terms of like, you know, that sort of maybe that's even like an introverted personality trait? Definitely is. Um, I can relate to that probably easier than you. What you were saying there made me think that for the depth of this kind of emotional experience in real life, for the show, this episode really didn't cut away and show us much more than we thought. We already knew. Whereas in number one, we walked away from that feeling a lot more connected to Kevin in that he told us everything that he thought that he felt about his whole life leading up to that point. And that was a lot more introspective for him. I mean, it, I mean, I, I understand that probably Buddhist monks probably can understand their, their slightest impulses. And Kevin is just trying to just going from moment to moment, man. But at least we got that from him. You know what I mean? Yes. Kate, we're still, like you said, asking questions about, is she really just all in her head and doesn't see what she has? Or is there something else there? We're still questioning that. And I doubt this episode was meant to leave us in that spot. I agree with you. I I, I appreciated that I felt like they they did get us to a point with Rebecca and Kate's relationship where... I hope that we see a different side of their relationship moving forward. When Rebecca showed up on her doorstep and was living out that promise of I will always be here with my arms open for you to fall into. And she did. Thankfully, Kate did take her up on that. I felt like, OK, maybe we're turning a corner and and that's a big deal. I also really appreciated that they attempted to back the camera lens up and, and incorporate many other types of pregnancy losses 
in this. It may not have been a miscarriage in the traditional miscarriage sense, but it may have been a stillborn birth or or like a trauma at birth, like wh- what happened with Rebecca and Kyle. And they incorporated that story into it. And they even showed the desperation through that additional flashback with Rebecca in the grocery store and the onions. Although I can tell you, I didn't lose any babies during the time when I had all three of ours so small as being in a triplet stroller like that. And I would have acted that way about the onions in the grocery store because if I had planned a recipe and I had managed to get all those babies out in the grocery store in that stroller, which you guys have to understand how much effort and energy, like you don't understand how heavy that stroller would have been. And she would have had to get that out of a car and get all those babies into it and then get there and have the last onion bag just sort of like slip through your fingers like that. I fully understand the desperation of that and how futile everything seems, you know, trying you to have do- talked that woman to death, though. You would have you wouldn't have made it a big scene where you needed to involve the manager and stuff like that. But <laughs> Caroline is capable of what I call Jedi mind tricks. And by the end of that this woman would believe that she never had any right to any onions at any time in her life ever again. <laughs> I would have at least convinced her to share the onions with me. <laughs> but that's honestly bottom line. Like I can't imagine a recipe that I would have needed an entire bag of onions. And so in my head, I'm thinking like, if I just needed like two onions, I'm positive I could have talked her into giving me two onions, you know, but I'm with you wholeheartedly except for just the the complete lack of sleep and how desperate you would feel that like even my Jedi mind tricks might have just driven me to tears instead of my well, my sweet talk and ways. You know what they say, the the, the uh, anger leads to the dark side. And I think you <gasps> might have used some of that dark side energy <laughs> to pick up a baby while it was crying and be and to emphasize what's going on in your life where you need these goddamn onions. <laughs> I definitely would have probably uh pulled the woman's cart closer to the stroller <laughs> like just she had the she had the front side of the cart closer to it she could just like give it a quick yoink you know <laughs> and probably could have said like check this situation out madam i for sure agree with you I thought that that was great that they did try to acknowledge all kinds of loss. There are plenty of people who lose children in a pregnancy that it might be more complicated than a straightforward miscarriage. We have friends who's had children um, have a stroke in utero um, after like far along in the pregnancy. There, There's just there's so many different scenarios in which you thought you were going to have a pregnancy that was going to lead to a healthy baby at the end. And there's so many things that can happen in those nine months that you don't end up with that. And it doesn't exactly matter what parts you exactly played in it or what. But but just that experience can be just so difficult for for any couple. And and for many, it does result in them splitting up uh, or them being in such pain and such a bad place that they can't be together anymore. How did you feel about the idea that they sort of wrapped it up here? Like all of a sudden, Kate like got the wind back on her sails. I know mom came and, and talked to her about loss, but she got that shower curtain out of the trash, which gross. And she was the one to pep talk Toby. And it sort of wrapped all up with a big fat bow at the end of one hour. Well, first of all, I would have said, yes, we will have a shower curtain, but we're not having that shower curtain. Me too. Second, as we said earlier, we get the sense that this story was meant to wrap up in a single episode. Maybe there's a part two coming up at the end of the season where maybe they try again. 
from episode to episode, we have moved weeks in this show. Overall, I believe that the way that this wrapped up was meant to leave us with a positive outlook on their connection as a couple and maybe some growth for Kate in that she got over something with Rebecca. She accepted her mom and her open arms and perhaps maybe they can move forward in their very strained relationship as adults because she's still, like you were kind of pointing out, she still had that very teenage, quit telling me what to do, mom, kind of attitude with her mom well into her 30s. Yeah, but you know what? We just watched The Golden Girls last night, and we love The Golden Girls. We watch it all the time. And, you know, there was a scene in last night's episode where Sophia goes, you know, when your kids get in their 50s and they think they know everything. And it's like, you know, mothers and daughters relationships don't necessarily change even though they're not teenagers anymore there's still a lot of that mom and eye rolls and you know stuff well i mean come on now you know your relationship with your mom you called her a beast when you were in in high school she kind of was and i still sometimes say hey mom you're being like a beast but i would say things have generally improved oh yeah no no of course i mean we my mom my relationship with my mom is very very good and talk to her every day you see her almost every day that's true very true very true but where kevin left us in a hole kate I think left us, like I said, not not cutting as deep, not showing as much of her as we got with Kevin, but a positive step forward on a few fronts, maybe a little faster than would have occurred in in the real world. But this is TV. How do you feel about the resolution of this episode? It was a little bit fast, I think, because... They told us that she lost the baby last week, and so it gave us like a week's time. That is the only reason why I'm giving them a a complete pass on how quick they wrap this story up, because I am going to calculate it in. They actually gave us like a seven day story in many ways because we knew about it for so long. Then we had to we had all that time. You know, Mm -hmm. if this had been a one hour thing and they had her lose the baby at the top of the hour and she was okay with it and they were going to try again in the end of the hour, I would be mad, very mad. And that's actually what they showed us. But because they told me a week ago, I was able to be okay for it to end at the end of the hour. That's not how miscarriages work. And and again, it's a disservice to bring up a very rarely talked about topic that so many women and couples and families can relate to and to wrap it up in an hour and act like you guys would be okay and you'd be even talking about trying again. That information in the wrong hands can really be thrown in a woman's face. You know, look, we just showed we just showed this very realistic portrayal on TV. And, and you know, look, he's ready to try again. What's the matter with you, Shelly? Why won't you try again? You know, it's one of those. Um, I don't want to get down in the weeds with the miscarriage talk since I don't have that firsthand sure. knowledge. But I do understand the idea that it is this sort of thing that in our culture, here we are in North America, that we as a culture don't really know how to feel. You don't know the right way to respond to a person, and that person then ends up feeling super isolated, as I understand it. Yes. Our children lived, but we still experienced that same, I don't know how to feel kind of feeling when the children were born, we were bringing them home since they were sick, that kind of stuff. People, they got used to it, but initially there was not 
there was not balloons and parties and stuff like that. It was only because we said, hey, we're bringing home balloons <laughs> that that there were any balloons. And I can remember having that conversation in the car, which, again, is it, you can expand it to the larger so you thought you were going to have a healthy baby at the end of a nine-month pregnancy. And so in our case, we had a very short pregnancy with two sick babies coming out at the end. It all ended up with, again, that same response of like the, I don't know how to celebrate this. And we I did don't not know get any congratulations. Do. We got maybe one or two. Well, and it's because of what you said. People didn't know what to say because how do you congratulate having a baby so early and having, you know, you don't, you're trying to congratulate having the baby, but not the bad circumstances surrounding it. And at the same time, I had to say, I remember on the way home in the car, me saying, I'm done being sad about the circumstances of their birth. And I'm ready to be congratulated for having twins. And I'm ready for other family members to be happy that we have twin girls and to not be sad about the circumstances that they're here anymore. That was a very deliberate conversation that happened. But I don't think that most people, A, have the support system to be able to feel comfortable saying that and maybe even be are so overwhelmed with the situation themselves that they don't have that moment of clarity of saying something feels wrong, but I don't know what feels wrong. I was able to say, I know what feels wrong. I didn't get one hug to be congratulated that I had a two twin girl. You know, mm -hmm. I, I got all kinds of sad looks and, and that's not what I expected. And that's certainly not what I want. You know, our situation is very specific as are every one of these stories. And that's one of the things that, again, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to say about it could be thrown back in a woman's face. I, I want the fact that there wasn't the nitty gritty in this episode for no woman to ever feel badly that by the end of their quote unquote episode, they weren't ready to tie up a bow at the end of it and say, I'm ready to try again. Because some people, it's going to take longer and they may not feel okay. And they may not even need to go talk to a therapist or they, more needs to happen for them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, this episode is so hot button. It's so huge that I hope that people are able to take it in as one story of miscarriage and allow it to open a conversation, but realize that, you know, this is just one woman's story and, a, and a tv different. version of it right and everyone's different and and not everyone has a toby and not everyone has a rebecca and so um you know these situations may look very different but everyone deserves to decide how to handle those things and it's okay to talk about this you know it's okay to talk about a pregnancy that didn't go as planned and that's really the bigger thing for me a pregnancy that didn't go as planned because it can happen in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe the thing to say is more like, I'm here for you anytime you need me to be whenever you're ready and less like, I'm sorry, sorry for you. And, and, and sort of that grieving thing, but more like I'm here and anything you want to talk about this, however you want to talk about it is okay. Doors open. Ever since we went through what we, we went through, I've, I've, kind of regarded uh, pregnancy as what I call the fine print. You only, you know, when you go to buy a car, you only think of the car. You don't think of all the other shit that goes along with it. Well, when you think about having a baby, you only think about having the baby that's going to carry on your family's name or, or the baby that's going to become the next, you know, woman president of the United States or something. But you don't know, you don't ever think about all that other stuff, you're basically signing an agreement with nature that says, I agree to try to have a baby. And then all the fine print is, but all these other things could go wrong. And you're signing up to say that's okay. And you don't even realize it at the time. 
you know? Yeah. Yes. Hindsight's twenty twenty on pregnancy. That's for damn sure. For damn sure. Well, I'm really excited to see episode three here. And this one's going to focus on Randall again. Um, this is going to rewind the tape back to them all being toddlers and then back to that day of Kevin's knee injury and everything that went on with the Pearsons that day. From Randall's point of view, Kevin's knee injury is that trip I took with my dad. I know. And I'm excited <laughs> to see uh, from the, the little nuggets that I understand, um, Randall may have the epiphany that he may not want to go to an Ivy League school. There was one moment in this episode that I don't want to miss. That part when Kate went to go get a drink and Jack and Rebecca went to go get the car. Now that is a telltale parent move. As soon as they said that Jack and Rebecca were both going to go get the car together, anybody who don't have kids or, or, or aren't a parent yet or whatever, guys, that means parents need a moment alone, right? Right. That's what that means. There's two people. It doesn't take two to go get the car. Okay. <laughs> P.S. And so, um, so when they showed like over Kate's shoulder that she saw them hugging in the parking lot, I saw a lot of people being very confused about this. Why would they be hugging? What's going on? Why are they hugging out there? For as much trouble as they have with Kevin's cockiness and all that kind of stuff, they still had hopes and dreams for him that, you know, as parents, you put a lot into that feeling. You know, there's a lot of weight that goes along with that emotion of, I want this for my kid. And that basically was was taken away. So all those, all, all the weight and the feeling that you put into that it's for nothing. You don't, you don't get to feel that anymore. And so that's just like a big emotional shift that doesn't just happen automatically. Even though you can go in and tell your son, you're going to find something else that you can be good at for your own self. You have to try to struggle with the, oh, God, I, I hope I'm not just lying to my kid. <laughs> you know, I got to change how I think about this. I got to support him in a totally different way. This is a big change for me too. I, I also think that it's, this is magnified if it's your child, but I mean, how many of us have had that moment when you are in a hospital room and then you come out and you have to go hug somewhere, you know, where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, it doesn't have to just be that career ender, but just, you know, that whole feeling of brush with death kind of feel, you know, like we just had something that was totally awful happen to our family. It was so unexpected. And here we are in the hospital, you know, that type of thing that I, I think that those moments are, are so common amongst families, but no one talks about them. You know, no one talks about the fact both parents go get the car, you know, mm -hmm. you never talk about that. And it's rarely shown on TV even, you know, we would have followed the parents out to the car, but we wouldn't have seen it from Kate's point of view. That's the part where it's like, I love that they are trying to sort of talk about what it looks like from different family members' points of view. I also think that I, I'm feeling a little antenna go up that maybe everything didn't go perfect with Randall's thing from Jack's point of view. Like, again, if he decides he doesn't want to go Ivy League and he decides he wants to do something else for his college, again, that's just sort of one more dream that maybe it's just not going to go as they thought. And so I, I don't know if those hugs were coming from whatever happened with Jack that day as well. So we'll find out more. I can't wait to watch this next one, number three. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.